to jump into this passage is we've been crawling through the book of John. We've been crawling through and, and walking verse by verse, passage by passage. And last week, we took a bit of what some would call a field trip from the narrative of John 7 as Jesus was speaking in the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles. In fact, verse 12 does a really good job of connecting to John 7, verse 50. Three or 52. So here we go. Let's read 12 real quick. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This fits seamlessly with John chapter 7, verse 52. Jesus spoke again to the people, seems to imply that he is still at the festival. In fact, in verse 20, which we will end this teaching with today, here's what it says. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. So what we see was this disruption in the narrative, but today we get to continue this conversation, or really, let's call it what it is, this altercation with the religious leaders and some of the crowd as he spoke in the temple near where the offering was put. So if you've never been here before, here's what we do. We read a little, we talk a little, we read a little, we talk a little, and then we go swimming at someone's house. All right, that's what we're going to do. Verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, and I don't want you to miss this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Much of what Jesus is communicating here is about light. He is making a messianic statement about himself. But Jesus is making the point in this verse, he is making very clear this powerful statement, the statement that he is the I am. In fact, there are seven I am statements in scripture. And this is the second of the seven in the gospel according to John. Which if I were to translate this without getting into what God said to Moses in Exodus, I would say that he is saying I am, Jesus is saying I am the point. In chapter six he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He says this in chapter 6 as the bread of life, that he can satisfy your hunger, and he doesn't mean physically. Here he says that he is the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world, not a light of the world, but the light of the world. So why is the important? It's because of the exclu exclusive nature of what he is saying when he says he is the only light of the world. Jesus being the light of the world means the world has no other light except him. If there's going to be a light in the world, it's Jesus. It is Jesus or darkness. There is no third alternative. There's no other light. And the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born to Mary, wrote in Isaiah, actually some of this was even more than 700 years, he says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned, and that light is Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 42, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you, and I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open the eyes that are blind to free the captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. 
It says in Isaiah 49, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is good news for us. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 19 through 20. The sun will be no more be, I'm sorry, the sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again, and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. There is darkness or there is Jesus. And for a world that wants to diversify their faith, they miss it completely. Let me say it this way, because a little bit of Jesus isn't Jesus. It's religious superstition. So he says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, Jesus seems to be raising the bar. He doesn't say anyone who believes that light exists, but those who follow him they won't walk in darkness because they will have the light of life. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you three points. They don't rhyme. I'm sorry. All right? I'm going to give you three points about what light does. Here's what light does. It illuminates. Light exposes. Light gives life. Light illuminates. Light exposes. And light gives life. The light illuminates. It makes known the spiritual realm. Throughout all of the Gospel of John, we see Jesus speaking with people, and the people are thinking of the physical, and Jesus is speaking about the spiritual, and it is the light, the light of this world that illuminates the spiritual realm that there is one. It points out the truth, it, it illuminates the truth, and it illuminates the beauty of the Gospel, the good news that we could not work our way to Jesus, to God ourselves, but God worked his way to us by sending his son to live the life we couldn't die and the death we should have died and physically rising from the dead. In a few weeks, we'll study John chapter 8, 31 through 32. And Jesus makes this claim in, a, in this conversation. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. He didn't say if you hear my teaching. He didn't say if you have read about my teaching. He didn't say even if you believe in my teaching. He said if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples, my disciplined pupils, my people, my followers, my church. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Can't say it like Martin Luther King, but Jesus said it best. And the light illuminates the truth. The truth of the word through the filter of the gospel. We do not graduate from the gospel. We do not go past the gospel. We don't graduate from the gospel. Because if we are in the light, we don't want to. Because the gospel is the good news. So the light illuminates the truth. The light exposes. Ugh. The light exposes our sin. Which seems really negative. You're like, Pastor, it's hot. I'm in here. I'm, I'm listening to you. Why do you got to say negative things? Because I'm not Joel Osteen. That's why I'm going to say negative things. Because the Bible isn't always just, oh, everything's fine. No. We're sinful. And we're in need. And so the light exposes our sin. But when we understand that we need to have our sin exposed, 
so that we know we are in need of cleansing. We know we're in need of God's transforming work. Our sin being exposed is actually not negative at all if we are in the light. One analogy I heard about uh, your sin being exposed was if you had cancer, wouldn't you want to find out early? And that's what it's like to have your sin exposed to make you realize, man, I'm prideful. I'm lustful. I talk trash. And I'm just talking about me. I don't even know what your stuff is. And so when the light exposes our sin, it's not a negative thing if we're in the light because we understand that God can actually use that as an opportunity for us to repent from it. That's why confession is so important. I'm not talking in a room with one guy who you've never met on the other side and bless me, Father, for that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about confession to God because you can have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ and then confession to other people that you trust that are in the faith that can hold you accountable and can know you better. A mentor once said to me, we want people to see our Instagram story, not our Google searches. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, John speaking this letter to the church, he says, if we confess our sins, he, the Lord, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So why is confession so important? Because when we confess our sin, we bring it into the light and it no longer has the power it once did. It doesn't fester, it doesn't hide in the darkness, which usually brings us guilt and shame. Through confession, God can bring healing to what once paralyzed us. And so the light illuminates. The light exposes. And the light gives life by guiding us to the truth. That's why Jesus calls himself what he does in John chapter 14, verse 6. But he also says in 5 and 7, here's what it says. Thomas said to him, one of the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus' answer, which many of us know this verse, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. It is the light that gives life and points us to the truth. It points us, it illuminates and it exposes and it points us to life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, this is the beginning of John. We started the book of John during, I think it was, I said Eisenhower first service, uh, I think it was Truman administration that we started John. In chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, it said, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That is our Lord, that he outshines the darkness but here's the definition of darkness. It's pretty simple. It's the absence of light. And darkness cannot overcome the light. So I'm going to do something in the sermon, which I never do. You guys ready? I have a slide with a picture on it. Huh? 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 Uh, I think there's a slide with a picture of my four kids. There they are. And this past Wednesday... They all graduated from their respective grades. And, and the reason I'm all excited about a picture is because I didn't know how to put it into my slides. Like Mike always has good pictures. He's got tents. He's got all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know how to do it. And I figured it out. So there, we got a picture. I got Reagan, who's 12, Lorelai, who's 10, Evangeline or Evie, who is seven, and Boston, who's five. And that's my tribe. 
That's the Riley tribe. And they all graduated from their respective uh, classes or, or from their schools as far as Reagan's now going to be a seventh grader, Lorelai's going to be a fifth grader, Evie's going to be a third grader, Boston's going into kindergarten. I feel so bad for that school. And <laughs> we, uh, sorry, I was just thinking about how, man, sorry. Anyway, I know who he's going to get to, and I'm like, oh, I'm praying for her right now. So we decided we were going to go out and celebrate the fact that they're all done with school and celebrate the fact that we have to have them all day, all summer. <laughs> so we went to Round Table Pizza because their buffets are amazing. Anyone? Can I get a witness? That's some good stuff. And Reagan and I, my oldest and I, I picked up Reagan, Aaron picked up the other kids, and, and we got there and we grabbed our plates and our buffets. We paid for all six buffets, money, money, money. And we grabbed our food and waited for Mama and the other three kids. And here's my thing about my oldest, Reagan. She's not a big fan of scary situations. Is anyone like, yay, scary situations, like Halloween haunt? Yeah, I, I enjoy stuff like that. And Reagan doesn't like scary situations, especially the fear of the unknown, especially the fear of darkness or dark rooms. So as we were waiting for mom and the other kids, she goes, I have to go to the restroom, and she goes down the hall, and as she goes down the hall, I see her go down the hall, and then within like a split second, she comes back. And I'm like, hey, what happened? And she's like, oh, the room was really, really dark. And I was like, okay. And she's like, I didn't want to go inside. I'm going to wait for Lorelai, my sister, my, my younger sister, to come with me because she'll protect me. Now, here's the thing. She's probably right. You don't mess with Lorelai. And even though I agree with Reagan's assumption that Lorelai would protect her, I asked her why she didn't just go inside and find the light switch and go in. And she said, Dad, it was dark. You'd be afraid also. All right, listen. I don't think I'd be afraid. I don't think I'm afraid of dark room. And I'm not talking just because I'm getting close to 200 pounds and I'm a bit of an aggressive person. Or maybe, I'm not just talking about because I have reflexes like a cat. I'm just putting that out there. I'm, I wouldn't be afraid because I'm not afraid of the dark. Because I know how to find light switches. And I know how to turn them on. And I know how the room would be illuminated. But finding the light switch for Ray was too scary. So what happened? Lorelai went with her and turned on the light. <laughs> See, Lorelai is not the point in this story. But the light being turned on is a symbol of God's intervention. And guess who he uses? Us. In Romans 10, 14, Paul's speaking to the church in Rome. He says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now, here's the thing. Some of you were like, oh, well, you're the preacher. You preach to my friends. No, unless you bring them here on Sunday. The word preaching means to proclaim doesn't mean you need a music stand or anything like this to proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ. And we can't turn on the light, but we can point people to the light switch. And if Jesus is the light of the world, then repentance, to change direction, to stop going our own way, that's the light switch. That we wouldn't just believe that God existed, but we would actually change direction so we could see the light of the world who is Jesus Christ. So let's, let's see how this conversation continues. Uh, it's going to hurt a little. I'm just putting that out there right now. 
John chapter 8, verse 13, the Pharisees, the, the teachers of the law, they challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid, Jesus. See, this exchange is pretty amazing considering that John lets us in on the spiritual deadness of these Pharisees. Jesus has just made the declaration of being the I am. I am the light of the world. Our God is the great I am. He doesn't need an introduction. Our God doesn't need a title. He is who he says that he is. He's not in need of your acceptance in order to be who he is. He just is. But he makes this powerful statement. And what do the Pharisees want to do? They want to argue with him because of their lack of understanding spiritual things. And not just spiritual things, but the gospel incarnate in particular. Jesus Christ, the gospel incarnate, is standing right before them, speaking scripture in real time. And what do the Pharisees do? They want to correct him on something he said. See, the spiritually blind want to argue about things that have nothing to do with the point. And the point is Jesus. The natural, unredeemed man wants to focus on the physical and never takes into account the spiritual. And we see this throughout the Gospel of John. So they argue about semantics. Or they argue about verses without context or without confirmation from other verses to support their interpretation. And the Pharisees are pointing back to what Jesus himself said in John chapter 5, verse 31. We studied this a long time ago. If I testify about myself, Jesus says, my testimony is not true. And he said that. And these Pharisees want to quote Jesus in isolation rather than in context. So what does Jesus go on to say? Well, he said, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, verse 32. And I know that his testimony about me is true. See, the legalistic want to be right in every argument rather than be right with God. And that's what we see here. So this isn't the religious correcting or upstaging the Messiah. This is the Pharisees attempting to justify themselves through their own spiritual dead understanding. It's not just that they are in darkness, which anyone, anyone who doesn't identify themselves with Jesus Christ is. It's not just that they are in darkness, but on top of being in darkness, they're, in, they're blind in that darkness. I'm so excited to watch God bring people from darkness into light. I'm so excited to see those who were once blind see. I'm so excited that many of you, I've heard your stories and I've seen you go from one place to another and it's the work of the Holy Spirit working in and through you and God's the one doing it. I'm so excited and this past Thursday night we concluded a community group that I'd been a part of for about six weeks where people got to connect with one another while well, we also got to train and equip a few of our leaders to lead other groups in the future. And I was so blessed, here's what I was blessed by, I was so blessed listening to a few of those who were newer to the community, but have really been diving headfirst, quote, other passages of scripture to confirm what we were discussing in the main passage. See, false teaching is more detrimental to our souls than we realize. And people tend to treat the Bible like a sledgehammer. Did you guys know that? That includes us, by the way. We find a verse that we want to say something to prove our point or our preference, so we strip the verse of any context 
but we do not confirm it with any other supporting passages because that would also require context. And so if it requires context, we can't get the Bible to say whatever we want it to say. Church of the Valley, could we be a people that use the word of God to help others grow rather than to make others feel less than? For every verse that each of us know about one sin that we may want to condemn others about, there's a bunch of other passages for other sins that we don't want to confess and we personally struggle with. And I know that there are preferences. I know that there are ways that we want to do things. And I know there are bad habits that we've been taught or we've been exposed to. But could or would we put scripture, what the word says in the context in which it is said, confirmed by other passages in the Bible to lead and guide us? As one of the teachers in this church, it's always so frustrating to me because it's like I was told something. And I remember hearing something in a sermon, and I want to apply that to the passage, but then when I go and look for it, I can't find it. Well, guess what? I don't teach it to you then. Because the truth is, I've been taught things that were wrong too. We ought to be like the Bereans, who I confused with the Gideons, first service. <laughs> but the Bereans were in Acts chapter 17. The Bereans were around as Paul and Silas were coming into Berea and they were preaching about Jesus. Here's what it says in verse 10. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. <laughs> wow. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed and did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. The people in Berea who were very well acquainted with the Old Testament would search the scriptures to see if what Paul was preaching about Jesus were actually true. And we ought to do what the Bereans did without finding pride in our Bereanness. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm a Berean. Oh, I studied scripture. Oh, I do this, I do that. Well, you're lacking love. You're doing it out of pride. And we ought to actually study the scriptures because we want to know more about this God that we claim we love. Verse 14 of John 8. Jesus answered. <laughs> Jesus slammed them is what I would like to write. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. Woo! For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. <laughs> Jesus says that his testimony is valid. Why? Because he's sinless. But not only that, he's also a public figure. He's also shown himself to everyone. He's put himself out there, but he goes on to point out that he is from somewhere they don't understand. Because they can't comprehend or see Jesus for who he is, where he has come from. And here's where he's come from. Heaven. Guess where he's going? Heaven. His beginnings, if you look at the text, his beginnings were questionable, weren't they? People questioned how his unmarried mother at the time could have been impregnated. And they'll assume Jesus eventually got what he deserved by hanging on a cross because people would claim that he was a blasphemer. But these people that can't actually see Jesus for who he is, they are in utter darkness and spiritual blindness. I can't imagine anything darker 
trying to see light than being blind. And they cannot see the truth because they cannot see the light of the world that's literally standing right in front of them. Verse 15, you judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. Um, what? I read ahead. Jesus is the judge, y'all. And Jesus implies that they judge based on what they can see in their spiritual blindness out of their wicked flesh. And then he goes on to say he judges no one. Um, theologians differ on what he meant because of this. Because Jesus is the judge. And he has been appointed by the Father. But in some translations, this implies that he is yet to do that. But really, Jesus does not judge alone. That's the point. But he judges in tandem with the Father. Verse 16. But if I do judge, my decisions are true. Because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. Jesus, a servant of the Father in the flesh, points to the spiritual fact that he is not alone in what he does, but in perfect relationship with the Father in judgment and testimony. Verse 17. It is your own law. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. So he shows how the law is fulfilled by the Son and the Father both agreeing that Jesus is the light of the world. But here's what I don't want you to read into this passage. Jesus doesn't need to defend himself. And I don't think that's why this altercation has, been has taken place. I don't think that's why John has recorded this in the gospel. I believe that this was recorded through the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And the reason it was recorded was so that you and I could know that Jesus is who he says that he is. We've seen miracles. We've heard about miracles. We've seen him do these things. There are moments where they don't even describe the miracle. And then he just walked out of the room. And you're like, how did that happen? And then there are times he feeds 5,000 individuals with like a Jewish happy meal. Okay? And he's done all of these things. And yet here we just see him having this altercation with the religious people who could not understand who he really is. Because by contrast, the spiritually blind cannot see spiritual things. They can't see the spiritual light of the world because they are in darkness. And they cannot and will not see Jesus for who he is. And I just wonder, is that some of us? Do we do the church thing because we always have done the church thing? Guys, I gotta be honest, summer started. I woke up this morning, I was like, is it Monday? Tell me it's Monday. No, it's Sunday. I can't sleep in. I had that feeling this morning. Is it just me? Liars. No, you all were like, oh, I can't wait to get to church. It's going to be humid. Yes. No, that's not what you did. And yet, I, there's this fear that I have for us that no matter how much we rock the boat, no matter how much we shake the cage, you're not going to come out of it because you think that Christianity is about what you do. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ has accomplished and done for you. And it's about trusting him to understand that this cross was not something that we tattoo on our wrist. This cross is something that Jesus went to for us. That he didn't stay in a grave. That he rose from the dead. And he brought the kingdom of God here to earth. And he reigns as the king with his subjects. Those who actually trust him and follow him. So I want to shake the cage every time we open the Bible. Because I think sometimes some of us are still spiritually blind and we have no idea. So Jesus 
lays it out. I am the one who testifies for myself. My witness is the Father who sent me. I testify as a witness, and my Father also affirms my testimony as a witness. But what do they do? How do they see what was just said? Verse 19, then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. So Jesus has made this messianic statement. He said, I am the point. I am Jesus. I am God. I'm the light of the world. And they go, where's your daddy? We don't see him around here. What are you talking about, cray-cray Jesus? And Jesus responds, you do not know me or my father. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Jesus, speaking of the light, says what can be seen if you have the eyes to see that Jesus and the father are one. That if you knew the son, that you'd know the father. But because you cannot embrace the son, you really do not embrace the father. Because no matter how good you are, you can't reach a perfection that only Jesus can reach. And he reached it because he loves the Father perfectly, unlike you or I. But God, in his infinite grace, gives you what Jesus deserves. Did you know that we get what Jesus deserves? We get righteousness. We get right standing before God. We get perfection in God's eyes. We get a perfect relationship with, with the Father. And Jesus received what you and I deserve which is wrath being placed upon him for our sins. He receives our unrighteousness. He receives the wrath of what we've done. He is disconnected from the Father because of our obstinate lifestyle, our spiritual blindness, and yet we receive sight. In the light of the world who left the comfort of heaven and brought heaven to earth as the king of the kingdom of God. This is good news. Verse 20, he spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. There's a lot of this in the Gospel of John. He's just like, people are all angry, they're going to do something, he just walks past them. Not the droids you're looking for, straight up. And no one seized him, no one placed a hand on him, not because he was sneaky or quick, but because he is sovereign and king. And his hour had not yet come. He had many more things to do. He had many more things to teach and to impart to the world so that we could know him more completely and more fully as we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, get to follow and remember the promise that he says in verse 12. He says, when I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's promising you, if you follow him, you will not be in the dark. If you follow him, you will not be blind. You and I get to be a part of this church. You and I get to have right relationship with God, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. We get life because he got death. We get to be in the light, even though Jesus was sent to the darkness. We get to see, even though some around us are blind. Do not take for granted the faith that the Lord Jesus Christ has granted you to make much of his name. We do not walk in darkness because we follow the light of the world and we are his.